It is the 200 level episode 131, Goody Times, Bad Times, which is of course a play on Led Zeppelin's first ever recorded song for Luke Goody. It's National Signing Day, and Illinois gets a very good basketball player for the 2021 class. Six foot seven, what do we say, shooting guard. Not quite a wing, but he's got plenty of size. Luke Goody, the elusive white shooting guard from Indiana that I know Lante's pretty pumped about. And I am too, because it's the kind of guy that would kill you if he was on Iowa or Wisconsin or Indiana. We get one of those. And no offense to Jalen Coleman lands, but I get the feeling this might be the Indiana recruit done good. In, uh, in Illinois, and we haven't had many of those. So good news for Illinois basketball, and then the bad times in this title, of course, is whatever this mess of a football program is, is they go into Rutgers as an underdog, which if you want to know about the state of the program, Vegas knows, for one, and I would agree with the assessment that Illinois will be an underdog on Saturday against Greg Schiano's Rutgers team. And that is not a place that you want to be in year five, regardless of who's starting at quarterback, which, of course, is a big secret. You know, this is gamesmanship from Lovey Smith. We don't know who the quarterback is as if it actually matters a whole lot. This team has a whole host of issues. We'll get back into that. And we talked, of course, about the larger concerns on Saturday. That podcast seemed to resonate with a lot of people. Just judging on feedback and a lot of cool responses I got enough already was the podcast on Saturday. And that was coming from a very raw place as an Illini football fan, though over time you kind of become callous to it. You become callous to the lack of success and you certainly feel things, but not to the same sort of degree that you would for, let's say, Illinois basketball, a team that has come so tantalizingly close to success that when they lose or when their season ends, you feel this sharper pain than you do for football, which is kind of like a dull ache. That's what Illinois football is, the dull ache, and then when Illinois basketball season ends, that's the sharp pain. Those are the harder ones to get over. We're so accustomed to it with Illinois football, I wish that weren't the case. I wish that as we settle in for another post-game podcast this weekend, which we're excited about, Harry's going to be there too. The whole, the whole group is going to be there on Saturday afternoon for Rutgers, Illinois. We're going to have fun, but I worry about running into the same situation as we did for Wisconsin and Purdue and not having a whole hell of a lot to talk about in terms of the game itself. I don't know about a blowout, but would you be surprised? I don't know if I would be at this point. So that's the goody times, bad times, which come to find out it is Luke Goody. Good thing that I had a Mondays with Mike podcast with Jeremy where he corrected me on that. I just thought it was Luke Good and that the E was silent, but no, it's Luke Goody. So we'll go with that. Uh, before we get started on this podcast, a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdo.com. Now, here's what you do. Go to dpdo.com. You order. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. But before you check out, use coupon code MIKE, M-I-K-E, in case you don't know how to spell it. Coupon code MIKE will get you $5 calzones, which is a ridiculous deal. If you've never had DP Doe, um, you don't know how good of a deal that is because these are really large calzones. They will fill you up and then get $6 premium or construction zones on top of that. Those things are super loaded. So go to dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices at dpdo.com. Also, 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com, a brand new shirt, House of Pain. And it works two ways. One, if you're a big fan of the basketball tournament House of Pain team, and aren't we all, that t-shirt works for them. But it is also very much a universal shirt for Illinois basketball with the State Farm Center slash Assembly Hall kind of a logo. 
um, interposed, what would be the word for it? Juxtaposed? I don't know. It's in the image. And as 4th and Kirby so often does, it retains that vintage Illini look. So go to 4th and use coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order at 4th and And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. We worked with him for homeowners and auto, a nice bundle. And, you know, you get that from State Farm, really good prices, of course. But more than that, the service that we got from Brian and his staff, second to none. Cannot recommend them enough. They're insurance experts, but also um, I can speak from experience. You can trust him and everybody that works there. And for stuff like insurance, where I don't know anything about it, that's something I need. So go to brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Champagne Showers. The Podcast Network, proud to be part of that. And then also the Illini Inquirer, I about said Podcast Network, but just part of Illini Inquirer, which they're doing great work, is always over there. And what is not a very easy year to do great work, or let me rephrase, it's easy enough, I guess, to produce quality content, but it's not necessarily the most fun when the teams are not great. And in the case of this Illinois football team, we're only three weeks in and it's become quite the slog already. Before we get into, we're going to start basketball. We're going to start good times, and then we'll go to bad times. Goody times, then bad times. Uh, quick reminder to rate and review us if you can, if you haven't already, on Apple Podcast. I'm not sure if the other podcast services have those functions. If they do, hey, give us a rating and review there as well. That helps. But uh, we did get one yesterday that I thought was interesting. or I don't know but yesterday, but within the last week. Love the feedback we're getting from people, and I had talked over and over about the elusive three-star review, and we got it. We got it, and it's a good one. This is from MJB1981. Carp has, it's called Look, a three-star review. So clearly they listen. They get the joke. Carp has the freedom to dish out the well-earned criticism of the football program. I often agree with the sports takes. However, oh boy, he is the epitome of a sneering, woke liberal. There is zero nuance to his, unfortunately, many political takes. He is everything he claims to hate. And this comes from a moderate who never voted for Trump, but also doesn't think he's the source of all the world's ill. You know? Nuance. Well, I love this review because it's it's very well written. It's got some humor to it. And I appreciate the three-star review and rating from MJB1981. I was a little bit surprised in this day and age when woke, that is the new thing. You, you don't want to be woke. And I was thinking about to what degree I've gotten political, quote unquote, on this podcast. Certainly over the summer, beginning in June, we talked about the George Floyd protest. I tried to get on some different guests that could give their perspective to it. So that would be Kerry Davis, Ryan Baker, Herb Lawrence, my friend Antonio Adams from back in high school, and have conversations because one, there was an absence of sports, right? And then in the other, that was the top of mind story going on in this country was the social unrest and the social issues and the racial issues. So we had those conversations, and we'll have them as they are relevant, um, including when Illinois athletes speak out on it. If we want to call that political, sure, fine. Um, I don't know if that makes me a sneering woke liberal. With the Trump thing, I listen, I just think Trump's a moron and, and an awful president and competent, and he's a jerk. You guys know that. I've said it. I'm not alone in that. If you're a huge Trump fan, you probably stopped listening long ago. So I, I guess the point would be to MJB that on this spectrum between woke, <laughs> woke super lib, you know, owning the libs, that's the whole thing now, right? Uh, certainly, I skew left. Of course I do. And that's probably pretty, pretty obvious. But sneering woke liberal, I hope not. I hope not, because I do want to keep that conversation open. So MJB, thank you for listening. Thank you for the review. Um, I, I don't mind a good piece of humble pie every now and then. And hey, I don't mind also checking myself and making sure that I don't get too far in one direction to the point where 
I'm shutting off different valves of potential conversation. Don't want that to be the case on the 200 level. And um, appreciate that. I appreciate that review and all the others that have come in. And they do help us when you search for Illini. 200 level will show up towards the top, I believe. And then same thing when you find other Illini podcasts. Now we're starting to show up in those similar shows. Or you may like the 200 level. So, hey, tell a friend. Why not some uh, good old-fashioned, what would that be, word of mouth? If you want to, uh, if they're looking for Illini material, the 200 levels for them as well. And also for sneering woke liberals across East Central Illinois. All right, well, let's get into the good times. So the goody times, Luke Goody, six foot seven shooting guard commits to Illinois. Well, we knew that. Signs the letter of intent today, so it is officially official. And with Ty Ty Washington, top 75 guard sitting out there as well. And then Mac Etienne. I want to make sure I'm getting that last name correct. I think it's French, right? He's out there as well, and Illinois is in the mix. Now, if you were to get those two guys in addition to Luke Goody, a phenomenal class. But let's just start with Luke Goody and what he brings to the table. He brings shooting, of course, and that's something that this team, even though they will be better this year, that is something long-term that this team needs to improve upon, and he will go a long way in doing that. It's also that elusive Indiana recruit. Jalen Coleman lands. That was a big deal when we got him for a lot of reasons. Four-star guy, John Gross had swung and missed on a lot of them. So that was big because we weren't getting many guys, but also big because the state of Indiana has not been too kind to Illinois basketball. It didn't pan out, right? We know that. I think big, was he Big Ten freshman of the year or in the running? Uh, it, really good freshman year, but didn't follow up his sophomore year and then, of course, transferred out. So really, it's just an incomplete grade in terms of Illinois basketball and dudes from Indiana. There's not a long list that we can go back to and say, hey, remember this guy, remember that guy. And that is exciting, of course, but it's also exciting to look at a, a basketball player like Luke Goody, where I mentioned the opening segment. This is the template used by the Iowas and the Wisconsins and the Indianas of the world, those guys that are seemingly at the school for six, seven years, and they're just really good basketball players. And if they're left open, you know they're going to hit about 40% of their threes. That is something that you need, and you need many of them, to be honest, if you're going to succeed in this college basketball world. Last year's Illinois basketball team was an aberration. The very good team that was not a good shooting team. You're getting better at that. And I I hate that Alan Griffin won't be a part of that. I thought that he would have been part of that resurgence in terms of three-point shooting this year. But at least going forward, you know that you got a sharpshooter in the mix with Luke Goody. And you mix in the factors of Andre Crabello and Adam Miller in the backcourt. You're feeling pretty good about that position. You're feeling pretty good about the wings next year as long as uh, Granderson and Hutcherson uh, pan out. And I'm sorry, Granderson and Hutcherson. I always seem to mix up those middle syllables in their name. I don't know why. Uh, You feel good that as long as they pan out, the wing position should be good for you next year. Biggs, of course, that's a concern, though you will have Georgie as a senior, and I'm hoping for a bounce back junior year for Georgie. And we'll see with a guy like Coleman Hawkins, who goes big time under the radar in this class that also has Corbello and Miller. So you have depth. You know, you have certain areas in the rotation that you are not 100% on. Luke Goody's, though, someone that you feel can contribute right away and uh, not going to be a a developmental or not going to be a project kind of guy. You can slot him in just like you are Adam Miller and Andre Corbello this year. And that speaks to Brad Underwood and how much better they've gotten on the recruiting trail. The lack of 2021 uh, recruiting momentum aside, which I think they can conjure up pretty soon here. But to get this locked in, To get this locked in feels good. This was not one of those recruitments that left you uh, feeling tight or nervous that it wouldn't work out. But there is something about signing day, and Illinois fans can attest to this. 
kind of a PTSD from signing days past where things didn't work out. The most egregious example being back in, would that have been 2013 with Cliff Alexander and Quentin Snyder that really kind of derailed the John Gross era and you never were able to get that back. Instead, on this signing day, you continue the forward progress that we've seen with Brad Underwood and the staff securing this commitment and now you can go fill out the rest of it. I'm optimistic that they get this done with a tie tie Washington. That's that's a hunch. And also going off of what, you know, Brian Snow and other people have said, you're right there at the very top along with Creighton. You gotta feel good about closing that. And then getting a big based on how good Kofi's been and all the preseason accolades that Kofi's getting, shouldn't that translate into making you the favorites for Mac Etienne? You'd hope, right? Um, also, other good news today, goody news. Io. Preseason AP All-American. And I'd have to look back and see the last time, but I'm guessing it would have been D. Brown. Would have been the last preseason All-American for Illinois. That is pretty remarkable. In, in a storied basketball program like this one that we have here at Illinois, Io is going to go down as one of the greats. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that however this weird season unfolds, it does get seen to its completion. That we see it all the way through into an NCAA tournament Fans or not, I wouldn't count on it, but at least that we can see it through and let him leave an enduring legacy beyond, oh man, he was great, except for that COVID-19 thing that kept him from achieving this and that, right? I don't want that to be the footnote in Io's legacy at Illinois. And right now it's kind of tenuous, right? It's tenuous because you don't really have a non-conference schedule. You don't know what your schedule looks like apart from Duke and then that Baylor game that apparently is going to take place on December... 8th or that's December 2nd. Um, you don't know if this multi-team event on November 25th, is that official yet? No, it's not. We don't have the Big Ten schedule yet, at least not as I'm recording this. And God knows, just like Jeremy talks about, the big news will come out right when I'm done recording this thing or as I'm recording it. That'd be great because I could at least talk about it. So all that uncertainty, I will take anything that I can get, whether it be Luke Goody signing or Io being the preseason AP All-American. You add the context that the football team kind of stinks. And we need this good news for the Illinois basketball program, and we continue to get it. Brad Underwood is leading something uh, pretty potent here. And I look back to less than a year ago, less than a year ago after that Illinois-Missouri bragging rights game. And it was me and Harry and Trevor, and that would have been, what, December 22nd, I think? It was pretty close to Christmas. Went down in the basement after the game, and we, we got goofy because it was the last time the three of us were together before Harry moved out to Connecticut. And we talked about the game, of course, and we're questioning the long-term future of Brad Underwood here. It was year three. You felt like he had talent, and yet it had not coalesced. And in fact, sometimes just looked outright bad, like it did in that Missouri game. And that switch flips on, and let's say probably the home game against Purdue. I mean, that was the moment, I'm guessing. And then from there, they didn't look back. And I would love to think as we were hoping in January and February and then the first week of March, I would love to think that that was the switch that flipped the entire program. You juxtapose that, see now I'm using juxtapose, right, with what's going on with Illinois football and how that four-week stretch last year, that was the aberration, right? That, that was not any switch being flipped on. That was not the program finally you know, waking up and taking its rightful place in the Big Ten. No, instead, that was the exception to the rule. For basketball, I don't believe that's the case. Now, as we go on 
these next few weeks. And, you know, like, again, I keep waiting for a schedule to come out so we can come on here and do some sort of silly dare to dream or, oh, look at the single plays in the Big Ten. I like this, this, and that. Um, we don't have that yet. ACC released their schedule. You're getting other conferences, I'm sure, to start getting theirs out as well. I don't know if the Big Ten's going to release theirs today because it is National Signing Day, and that would kind of step over the moments for a lot of young athletes, including Max Christie from Arlington Heights, who does, in fact, sign with Michigan State. No surprise, but a huge gift for them. But uh, yeah, just waiting on that final uh, notification that, yes, this season will, in fact, happen. Yes, there will be games. Yes, we will see this team. And uh, long-term, we'll be able to start projecting out like, okay, well, we know Adam Miller is this good. We know Andre Corbello was this good. Add Luke Goody to the mix. Oh, great. Um, Jacob Grandison is awesome. And Austin Hutchison is great too, so we're good at the wing position. All those sorts of things, man. I cannot wait to get in the conversations in late November, early December, just getting a few games under our belt and being able to start doing that kind of talk. But right now, you know, in, the, in this climate and no March or sorry, no midnight madness, no practice reports from media or anything like that. It, it's like we're in the dark as every college basketball fan is. No one really knows what's going on at practices. No one's really getting the same amount of buildup or hype that you normally would for a college basketball season. It's going to be one of those things that let's say there's a multi-team event November 25th, Thanksgiving weekend. We tune on to, uh, I don't know, Big Ten Network Plus. God knows we're probably going to have to pay a subscription for it. And we watch Illinois play, I don't know, Nichols State. And that moment that they tip off is going to be surreal. Much like when Illinois, Wisconsin kicked off that Friday night. Even though I'd kind of been getting excited and kind of building it up in my mind, you are only able to do so to a point. Because you don't have these usual markers of a preseason. You don't have the usual stories coming out of the practices, out of training camp, to get you all juiced up and ready to go. Instead, you just kind of wait, and then, oh, now here's a game. Now, that will be a surreal feeling. Thanksgiving weekend, presumably. That Wednesday night, blackout Wednesday, or whatever you want to call it, and maybe it will be, in celebration of an Illinois basketball season starting. I can't wait to get the guys on for Illinois basketball postgame pods because the football ones have not really turned out the way that even uh, my modest expectations thought they would have. So we will need it, man. As Illini fans, we need this. We need it. And the players on the team need this more than we do. Because for Iowa and Kofi to come back in these circumstances, they know there's uncertainty in coming back. Just as there would have been uncertainty, of course, in going to the NBA. There's uncertainty all around for everybody. I get that. But they were betting on this being a big year and I hope for their sake it pays off yes no fans in the stands that's going to suck it's going to be weird but you know what at the end of the day it's all about are they getting out there are they winning games are they competing for a Big Ten title and competing for a top seed in the NCAA tournament all those things are at play and they haven't been for Illinois in so many years 15 plus years of toiling in relative obscurity there was an ESPN article that slipped something in there that Freudian slip, I don't know, I don't know, but it mentioned Illinois as a blue blood. They were talking about the top 10 AP rankings, Illinois is number eight. And they said that after Iowa, which they were like, wow, you don't see Iowa here very much. You have a host of blue bloods like Illinois and Duke and what record scratch sound? Illinois blue blood? Remember that conversation from back in the early 2000s? Are we a blue blood? Are we not? And I always felt like we were second tier 
that first off, you got to win a modern national championship to be in that conversation. You got to make multiple final fours and not just one every 16 years. But to even be mentioned tells you that for Illinois to be back in basketball, for the casual fan or the national sports writer, that is not unusual. It's been a while, like we felt it. It's been a long absence. And yet for other people, oh yeah, there's Illinois, right? It just, there's something synonymous with Illinois and good basketball, and that has somehow stuck around for 15 years. We're lucky that it has, because you do wonder if the John Gross era, you know, mediocrity, or the tail end of the Weber era, if that mediocrity stretches out too long, then I don't know if that's the case. You know, what's the shelf life for even getting that little tease in an article? Blue blood, Illinois. What? Illinois is a blue blood? But again, fortunately, we turned that corner last year and did so in such a such an emphatic way that I think people were like, oh, right, remember Illinois? Oh, they're back. Great. Okay, well, and they're probably going to stay back because of Iowa and Kofi. That's where I want to be able to capitalize on all that. I want those players to be able to capitalize on all that and get to experience what it's like to be part of a big Illinois basketball team. I, I was about to use the word tragic. It is not. Not in, in the context of COVID-19 and all the real world stuff going on, it is not tragic that these guys will not get to experience State Farm Center for an entire season like Illini fans know it was like in the early 2000s, right? Those good teams got a hero's welcome every game, even the scrubs in November and December. That was a hot ticket. Super difficult to get to a game at the State Farm Center. That would have been the case this year. They don't get that. I'm not going to use the word tragic, but it sucks. It sucks. And that is something that you can't really make up for. Um, will they be able to get the same taste of excitement as I know, you Central Illinois fans, you've experienced this. A good basketball season. There's a bounce in your step. The local bars and restaurants and even the apparel shops, you know, everything's just swinging. You know, campus has a vibe to it. And that will all be absent. So we're going to have to share in it in different ways. I, I mean, I guess thank God for Twitter, right? You know, good news, bad news about Twitter, the bad news, all the you know trolls and whatnot out there. But the good news is that that is one avenue in which we get to share this experience. Zoom with your friends and do a game watch via Zoom. I know that's weird. It's you know as used to it as we get. It's still not the same as going to a bar or going to the State Farm Center. But we're going to have to get creative in how we enjoy this season. And for me, it's in this room with the studio set up, doing the Zoom with the guys during a second half, hopefully reveling in many an Illini victory. Uh, but th these are going to be unusual new traditions that have to emerge. But I would encourage people, establish those traditions for these four or five months, hopefully an entire season's worth. It's going to be weird, but that doesn't mean we can't make it memorable in our own way. So um, that's trying to find a silver lining and the ultimate gut punch, which is we won't see this team live. We won't. Um, vaccine or not. I mean, that that may be in the spring, but even best case scenario, you get everyone vaccinated. I think Fauci said late March, early April. That's great news. That means I can probably go see Dave Matthews band next summer, right? Uh, but probably not in time to see Illinois in person. And that sucks. Um, but that's where the good goody times, bad times title comes in as well. You know, that we have all these things to look forward to. And yet there's all these caveats, these asterisk and uh, as much as I like making unique memories and the idea that 15, 20 years from now, I could tell my own kids or tell my nieces and nephews, oh, I remember back in the season of 2020, 2021, when I watched every game from home because I couldn't go to the stadium. Yeah, it makes for a good story, but living through it, it's not quite as exciting. 
I think that's fair to say. So we will hopefully find out what the basketball schedule is soon. Non-conference looks like that's just going to be kind of TBD. You wonder, couldn't they just invite in teams and with the testing capabilities we have, have teams come in the night before, get them all tested and make sure that no one's stepping on the State Farm Center court before they, uh, unless they test negative? I would think we got the infrastructure to just have a bunch of non-conference home games here. I know the Duke probably has the infrastructure to make sure they're clean before we go play Cameron Indoor, but I want to keep these guys in bubbles. I'm, I'm almost hoping none of these basketball players actually live together because we saw with football that if you're roommates, then there's an enhanced risk that your entire apartment is going to be out, even if they didn't get it. Contact tracing is going to keep guys out for a week or two. And I don't want this basketball season to, if not derailed, get interrupted by COVID-19. We saw last year that Io getting hurt when he did probably cost you a Big Ten title. I, I think with Io, you probably win it. Well, maybe, I don't know. But maybe you get that extra win, even though I guess he only missed one game. Was it just the Rutgers game? And then he came back against Penn State, which that was one of the coolest moments of in a season full of cool moments. Io coming back injured and then getting the game winner and playing just phenomenal basketball at Penn State. Just that, just that memory alone jogged that. It got that excitement going. It got that, those juices flowing about this basketball team, and and I'm ready. That's why we started the first half of this podcast with that. Start with the good news, right? The goody news. Should we move to the bad news? The bad news with Illinois football. I mean, you're all aware of it. We all are. It. it I talked with Jeremy, and it, I even texted Lon after I read Jeremy's article on Sunday, and I said, "When Jeremy starts writing like this, that's when you know it's serious." That's when you know it's it could be over, unless things ch- change drastically. And Jeremy didn't call for anyone's head. He didn't say you need to fire this guy or fire that guy. He didn't go as far as we went here on the podcast Saturday, and and that's understandable because one, you still kind of have to let the games play out. And I feel silly saying that because I I think we know how these games are going to play out. But yes, you still have to let the games play out. And because he has to be the one to cover them, it's all the more true to his experience as the reporter, the journalist on the Illini beat. You got to let him play out. But to see him speak as strongly as he did or write as strongly in that article, and then to speak with him on Monday for Mondays with Mike podcast, it's clear. It's clear that it's broken. He knows it. We all know it. And the fan base knows it. There's not a very large faction of people that would say, you know what, just give it time, guys, and, and this will all work out. And this has been not so much a slow burn. You know, a slow burn would indicate that in year three, people were actually optimistic about Lovey Smith. And I don't think they were. And in fact, year four, until that four-game win streak, people were really down on it. And after the Minnesota game, and even after the Michigan game, I assume that this is just trending a direction where Lovey will get fired. And that will be it. But this has just felt like an eventuality. You know, this was inevitable. So no slow burn, no surprises, nothing like that. No, instead, this just chickens coming home to roost for something that was right in front of us from the beginning, from year one and two, the Garrick McGee slash Hardy Nickerson era, right? This was all right in front of us. When the recruiting never quite picked up, when you didn't feel any sort of mojo whatsoever on any front, and then the product itself was not just bad on the field, but just discombobulated where each and every game you're coming out and you're getting down by multiple touchdowns, regardless of who you're playing. And we should have known last year when they lost to Eastern Michigan at home. 
yes, yes, they won six games. And even after that, I said, keep Lovey because that only made sense. He made a bowl game and he gave him the extension anyways, let it play out. He's got a lot of guys coming back for year five. But this is all, this is all right in front of us. You know, the evidence has been there. The eye test has been there. And there hasn't been, you know, I don't know if there could have been an effort. So I might be sounding silly when I say this. From the get-go, there was never really an effort by Lovey to ingratiate himself with the Illini fan base or the students, apart from the opening weekend where he made the rounds and it seemed like, oh my gosh, maybe Lovey's going to like this college football coaching thing. So the entire thing has felt like a, a failed experiment really from the get-go. It felt like square peg, round hole. It never felt natural. It felt like worth a shot. You know, why not give it a shot with this NFL coach and maybe it sticks, but no, nothing did. So in trying to think, okay, is it too early to write the postmortem and and deliver an obituary on the Lovey Smith era for Illinois? And I did that for the Tim Beckman thing. Steve and I did that before that Penn State game when they were four and six, and it seemed inevitable that he was going to get fired. And then they won two games and go to a bowl. But this just seems even more inevitable than that. And in this weird pandemic-stricken year where you already have, what, four SEC games that are postponed for this weekend. I think Vanderbilt and Kentucky, that's the best that the SEC has this entire weekend. And the Big Ten, fortunately so far, it's only Wisconsin that's really had any missed games. And of course, their opponents have missed a game too. Uh, What Nebraska and Purdue, I think. But in this weird year, my fear is now becoming that the season ends prematurely because of external forces. You know, outbreak, your team is sidelined. We already see a couple guys sidelined, but let's say it gets larger than that. Or your opponents are sidelined. They can't play, and all of a sudden you got one less game on the schedule. And we somehow win this season one and four, two and five. It's not complete. And then we just say, ah, it doesn't really count. It does count, though. right? Even if we only played the first three games, let's say the season ends right now, it should count. That should be enough. You got enough evidence to know that this is not going to work. So that is my big fear now. The team's going to probably continue to stink, right? I don't know if they're going to win any games. I don't think that's hyperbole to say that, the way they're playing. I don't know if they're going to win any games. Um, But let's just say the season ended right now. It shouldn't matter if they're 0-3 and we didn't get to see the team play the other six games. It shouldn't matter. Put these three games of the rest of the Lovey Smith era. And apart from those four weeks in 2019, this is what it is. It is what it is. Enough already, as we said on Saturday. He took accountability again. That's great. You know, and this is what good coaches do. They say, I didn't coach him well enough. I didn't get him prepared. But that is now the refrain. Every Monday, every press conference, he admits it stinks. He admits that, man, that was an embarrassment, all that. He's fairly forthcoming about it. But that doesn't change anything. It doesn't give any indication that he knows how to change it or how to make it better. And it's not just losing and looking kind of bad doing it. It's finding new lows, scoring 14 points, fourth quarter quarterback, fourth string quarterback, sorry, aside, scoring only 14 points against this Minnesota defense is an embarrassment. And that's... Should we be surprised? Not the way that this offense has been trending, but at the same time, it is still kind of surprising because going into that game, I thought, you know what? I know we aren't good. And beating Minnesota is not really going to change any of that, but 
goodness, this is probably going to be a crazy shootout just given the fact that Minnesota can't stop a nosebleed, as Bart Scott once said. But no, 14 points. You punt four times in the fourth first half when they had given up two punts the entire two games before that. That speaks a little bit to your ineptitude on offense. Fourth string quarterback or not. So Lovey can say all that. Rod Smith can say all that. But at the end of the day, the more they say that, the more it becomes clear they don't know how to fix it. And they're going to try some personnel changes. They'll throw stuff at the wall on Saturday. But here's the problem. How much buy-in is there? At this point, how much buy-in is there from this team? To say they have quit on Lovey would be presumptuous. I cannot say that for certain. I can't. But it's looking pretty lethargic to me. And other than a little rally against Purdue, a good old fake rally against a mediocre Purdue team, you really don't have a lot to hang your hat on. Essentially, one good quarter out of 12. One good quarter out of 12. We talked about this last year, too, before that four-game win streak, that the bad quarters were outnumbering the good quarters by like three to one. In year four, that's inexcusable. In year five, it's especially inexcusable. And yeah, all the COVID-19, I know Harry mentioned this after the Wisconsin game, and I think that was him being just trying to calm things down because there was so much football up to play, so I, I get it. But if we see the same sort of thing against Rutgers, which I anticipate we will to some degree, then you'll know. Well, I say you'll know. We already know. This is what's so frustrating. It's it's like a cycle. You know, we get midweek. Man, if they win this game, they aren't dead yet. Or, man, this is a must-win game for Lovey Smith and the Illini. We've done that before with very little payoff. Very little payoff. So what you're looking at is a situation where let's say they beat Rutgers. Let's say they go in there and win as an underdog, which... The fact you're an underdog in year five at Rutgers says everything you need to know about Lovey Smith's program, but I digress. Let's say you win and you're one and three going to Nebraska. <clears throat> Does it really change? Does it really change anything for you? Does it get you that much more excited about the rest of the season? Maybe it raises the temperature a little bit before that Nebraska game. Gives you that much more reason to tune in the following Saturday. Sure. You know, and listen, in this year, as bad as this team is so far, if it's Saturday, it's a college football game day, and I get the TV on, I make a nice lunch, and I settle in to watch my team play a game. That is still kind of nice, but um, so quickly in each of these games, so quickly, that excitement has evaporated because of just straight-out ineptitude, a lack of preparation, being out of place uh, or in the wrong place seemingly every play on defense, and never knowing how to be in the right place on offense. It's just a poorly coached team. And of course, there's going to be some lethargic performances when the players start realizing coach has no idea what the hell he's doing. And think about that. Go back to, to use an education analogy. Go back to your least favorite teacher and how they probably had no ability to control a classroom. Or if they did, they had to do it with an iron fist or something. Or they lost the respect of the students in the class and you really dreaded going to that one hour each day. Because he knew the the kids didn't like the teacher, and the teacher really didn't know how to change anything and give the respect. Now, I don't know if Levy Smith is disrespected in that locker room. Probably not. But how many of those guys look at Levy Smith and the rest of the staff and think, these guys know how to get us out of this hole? And if you were putting in 60 hours a week at, in anything, right, but the guy at the top of the chain is inept at what they do, and proving time and time again that he's not putting you in the best position to succeed, eventually you are not going to be trying as hard. That's human nature. You can play for each other. You can play hard uh, just out of your own will, power, and 
and wanting to do the best you can. But eventually that extra oomph that you need to be a good team or to be, uh, you know, successful in anything, I guess this is kind of cheesy, you know, like motivational speaker talk. That final step is to be able to actually believe in the person leading the way and believe that they know what to do. Think of how many veterans are on this team. This is an older team, you know, and I know some of them are transfers, but some of them are four-year guys that have been here from the beginning. And after a while, like, you come into a program, you're all excited, you know, you're going to be the guys that turn this thing around. And then you see time and time again that your coaching staff is getting outmaneuvered by every other coaching staff. And the realization might be coming into play here. Wait a second. I signed up for a sinking ship. I signed up for something that just wasn't working in the early days, and it never really got better to any substantial extent. And now it's about to be over, and what am I, what am I doing here? What, what, what's the point, essentially? What is the point? We're asking that as fans. I know Harry has spoken about this before, where he was part of the Beckman era, and that when you're an athlete at that level, you are just going out there, you're grinding. That's just in your nature. You don't reach that level unless you work hard as hell and you put in the hours and all the time. So there is, of course, going to be this innate desire to be good at what you do. And I think every player on that team or anyone at that level in D1 football, they have that. But it has to be just exhausting and and honestly kind of depressing to think that, oh, well, we got a game on Saturday and, you know, In normal circumstances, we should win, but Coach probably doesn't know how to make that happen. There's no reason for this defense to suck this bad. I'm not blaming the players. You got enough to have a mid-level, or let's say, you know, okay, let's, let's start over again. You have enough on this defense to be a bottom third Big Ten defense. And by bottom third, what, you got 14 teams, so essentially like ninth or tenth in the Big Ten. You had that. You have enough guys to do that, and yet you can't even do that. I could look up the numbers. I'm kind of afraid to. But you're looking probably at what? The 13th, 14th best defense of the Big Ten? I mean, Minnesota, after they played you, maybe they vaunted all the way up to 13. I don't know. But you have a bad defense. And you can say, well, they're pretty good against the run. Well, it doesn't matter if any time an opposing team wants to throw down the middle for 15 yards they seemingly can. But imagine being on that defense. It's a pretty old defense. There's a lot of veteran guys on it that came to play for Lovey Smith, you know, the guy that made a Super Bowl with the Bears, the guy that had a long and storied NFL career. And even though we knew that this defensive system might be a bit archaic, none of us could have anticipated this bad, this awful. And what can you do? You know, like, well, I'm going out here and busting my butt, but Guys are never in the right position, and coach doesn't know how to get us in the right position, and then we got six more games of this? I mean, I've been in some crappy bands, and eventually you stop looking forward to the gigs. You stop looking forward to playing in front of 15 people in a bar, and then they're just nonplussed about the performance. They don't care about it. And then eventually you just say, well, is it worth it, or should I maybe go back to the drawing board? How much effort are you going to go uh, put into a gig in front of 15 people that don't give a crap and you know you weren't that good in the first place? Compared to being in a, a really good band and a packed house, of course it's going to be different. There's going to be that different drive. So the lethargic feeling that we have as fans, I'm worried that that's trickling down to these players. And why not? That's human nature. If you can't trust the leader, who can you trust, right? If you can't trust that the leader is pointing you in the right direction, then how are you going to put your full forth 
uh, put forth your full effort every Saturday when it is a bruising and, and tiring game and you put 60 hours a week into the damn thing. I mean, I'm fortunate enough in my professional career that I usually have been surrounded by great people and I've had good bosses, mostly. And then one instance where, you know, there was that disconnect between the person at the top and then everybody else. And you find out very quickly that um, the climate and the culture are so dictated by the person at the top. Now, on one hand, Lovey is a calm guy and he says, I'm not going to panic. That's just not my nature. And that's great. What's he going to do? Come in, you know, his hair on fire. Well, he doesn't have hair, but you get the point. Metaphorically speaking, hair on fire and say, oh my God, guys, we're screwed. We're screwed. We got to start winning games or I'm going to get fired. Lovey, of course, is not going to do that. So it is great that Lovey is not going to panic and he's the calm guy that can keep things level-headed and all this, right? But at the end of the day, that alone is not going to indicate that there's a good culture or climate over there. Winning is part of a culture and a climate. When losing becomes the habit, that is part of the culture and the climate. The things that we used to be able to point at Lovey and say, that's a positive attribute. I don't know how much we can do that anymore. The idea that he's a good face for the program. How can you be a good face for a program when you can't win football games in year five? How can you be a good face for the program when you can't recruit high school kids and you can't recruit anyone in your own state? How can you be a good face for the program when you have real, no real connection with the community around you? He's lived here on and off for five years. And apart from the anecdotal, oh, I saw him at Guido's, because that's right across the street from where he lives, I think. Oh, I saw Lovey at Guido's. There was not really any interaction with the community. I mean, you get some stories about Tim Beckman having beers at Addie's out of Stone Creek, which sounds very Tim Beckman. I know Lon ran into him out there. There's other people that did. And of course, we all know Beckman was kind of a goof, wasn't a great coach. We had a lot of bad losses with Tim Beckman. But... There was still this coachy coach thing where, you know, he tried the community thing and they just didn't win enough games for him to ever really resonate in Champaign-Urbana, but he tried. He tried, you know? Ron Turner probably tried more than this. And yeah, he probably got ingratiated with the country club crowd a little bit too much to his detriment, maybe, but, you know, he tried to be a part of the community. John Gross tried to be a part of the community. Bruce Weber, very much so. Bill Self, superstar. Three years here, and yet it felt like he was part of the thread of Champaign-Urbana, which you might be thinking, Carp, what is this kind of Pollyanna thing you're talking about? Does it really matter if a coach is part of your community? And normally, I'd say, absolutely not. Just win some damn games. Am I only pivoting to this because Lovey keeps losing games? Potentially. But I'm just saying, when you, are, when you have the record of Lovey Smith, everything is on the table. Because here are the conversations that should be happening right now in the DIA specifically in Josh Whitman's own head. How do I get rid of this guy? That is the conversation that needs to be going on right now. And you factor in all these things. Whatever we got to throw in there to convince Josh Whitman that this is not tenable, that you need to make a move, I'm throwing it in there. And there's not one box you can really check anymore about Lovey Smith. Uh, he's a man of integrity and he's a good face for the program. That is damn near null and void when you have the record that he has. It is irrelevant almost. Not completely, but almost. <laughs> it's uh, one of those things where in trying to project forward, you know, you could kind of tell during the Beckman era, we knew this, that when it ended, we'd look back on it 
and we'd get a chuckle for its ineptitude, right? We we figured it'd be short-lived, and it was. And that somewhere in the near future, we'll look back on that goofball, because we could laugh about it a little bit then. Even when it was bad, we still could laugh. Remember the laughter of the Tim Beckman era? There was that. There was that. And now I'm thinking, well, wait a second. You know, when you, when you look back at Beckman, you would say, well, they made a bowl game their last year. It was only three years. Uh, it was not a good stretch. He was kind of an embarrassment behind the podium, all those things. But at the end of the day, it was so short-lived that it is easier of a pill to swallow. But the lovey thing is entirely different because it actually had expectations for one. And I don't think outlandish expectations, my recruiting expectations were outlandish. I thought, Ron Zook Redux here. We got Lovey Smith. He's going to have top 25 classes. No, no, <laughs> more like top 85, you know. Um, I was very wrong on that. But I, I still figured that that was enough of a splash higher where the expectations inevitably go up, as they should. But even then, if you ask Carp back, third person, sorry, if you ask me back in 2016, what do you expect Lovey to do here? I would not have said perennial Big Ten titles. I would not have said that. And we could go back and look at tape, I guess, but I, I'm really trying to rack my brain and make sure that I didn't come into this thing with outsized expectations about what he would do. And I'm, I'm fairly certain I didn't. I just said, this is the guy that he should rock it on the recruiting trail, and he should be able to get us to consistently seven or eight wins, and he may not be here that long, and then we can move on, and it will be a great job for a new coach to come into. Wrong on all counts. This is not going to be a good job for someone to come into. Yes, they got a nice facility. The roster is not going to be very good. You don't have inroads to many, if any, high schools in the state of Illinois or around the Midwest. You have no real pipelines. You have no real relationships built. The Lovey Smith thing's just going to end, and someone's going to have to come in and start all over again. But at least they'll have a bowling alley in the football performance center. That's the one jewel you have. And you can make the argument that you only got that because of Lovey Smith. But are our donors that stupid? Do you think our big money donors only donated because Lovey Smith was the coach? Keep in mind, I think that money came in year one and two. And by year two, we kind of had an indication that, yes, he was rebuilding things, but boy, did they suck. If you're a mega donor and you were giving money specifically because Lovey Smith was your coach, then you need to probably watch more football or you need to uh, maybe back away from your allegiance slightly and take a more clear-eyed, objective view of things. If that money was earmarked specifically because Lovey Smith was your head football coach, and I, I've always doubted that premise. I have always doubted that premise. I, I you hear the narrative. Well, Lovey got you the performance center. Did he? Are these mega donors? Listen, they, they made a lot of money. These are probably shrewd people that should know a little bit better than to... Uh, invest that much in Lovey Smith's program when early returns were kind of telling you what was up. Steve Breitweiser called this a long time ago. You know, when you essentially hit the restart button after year two, that's good news, bad news. The good news is that Lovey recognized it wasn't working, but the bad news is that the changes that were made after that didn't do anything to help you. After year one, the best recruiting class he had, <clears throat> he fired the recruiting coordinator whose name escapes me. Seemed like a puzzling hire. At first, you're thinking, well, he must have more expectations for the kinds of recruiting classes he'll bring in. Okay, fine. He's going to be shooting now for the top 25 classes. And instead, your recruiting has just fallen into a tailspin apart from the transfer market. So 
you know, at the end of the day, this this legacy, I'm always interested in that because you look back at the John Gross thing, and it's pretty clear what that was, right? He's an okay coach, but he just couldn't get over the hump with recruiting, and he wasn't a good enough coach to overcome just mediocre rosters. That's It's what he is. He's, he's a guy that's best suited for a place like Akron. That makes a lot of sense. Bruce Weber, you kind of know what Bruce Weber is. Probably a great X's and O's guy, but uh, not maybe the easiest coach to play for and unable to maintain the momentum of a top 15 program. He is best suited at Kansas State. He's where he should be. Bill Self, well, we knew that, right? Lon Kruger, we knew that. Those are basketball guys I know. But with football and with Lovey Smith and thinking, okay, well, what are we going to look back on this? I think it's just going to be fairly cut and dry. It was a failure. It was bad on most every front. That is not anything I think we could have predicted. We could have predicted underwhelming but this goes beyond underwhelming. This is bad no matter how modest your expectations were. Now, they could win Saturday. Excited for the podcast. We'll see. Happy to have Isaac and Harry and Trevor back on board. Uh, it'll be the full crew. And if they win, great. You know, like I'll, I'll take I'll take a victory. And uh, even if it doesn't really mean a whole lot. But it's just a shame that we're entering week four of this very unusual college football season. And there's not a whole lot of interest in what the team does from this point forward. And if you ask the casual fan in Champaign-Urbana, I mean, here's the deal. I don't know about you, but on Saturday, it was too damn nice to spend time indoors watching that garbage. Same thing with the Bears. I said, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to pull weeds out of my front yard. And I had a lot more fun doing that than I would have watching the Bears stink it up in Tennessee. Bad football. Bad football, and let's keep it simple. Lovey Smith, that's a big reason why Illinois is not good. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, maybe even more so, that's your reason why the Bears probably aren't so good. So keep it simple. You know, we can, I, I mentioned, I know that review that I read earlier said, uh, you know, nuance, Scarp. <laughs> and I try to go with that, but every so often, peel back the layers of the onion and just look at it for what it is. Just look at it for what it is. Bad coaching, and that's about it. And then, well, let's go out and get a good coach. Who was that good coach? Well, I don't know. I don't have a list yet. I guess I'll start writing that up, and I know that those stories will probably be coming in the next few weeks when you lose another couple games, and it's clear that you're going to win one or two max on the season. And that's not a given. I know we said last year that that team was going to go winless um, after they lost. After they lost to Eastern Michigan, we started looking at it and thinking, well, what games are they going to win? But at the very least, there were these little moments in, and I don't know, what was the first game? Kent State or something like that, or Akron. It might have been Akron. These little moments where in that game or the UConn game, you saw, well, man, if they just could clean this up, I guess they could be okay. We haven't really had any of those moments this year. You know, you're just kind of getting your butt kicked. So if that is the trend line, it ain't a good one. It ain't a good one. Hey, on that happy note, though, remember, Luke Goody signed. Illinois basketball starting soon. We will get a schedule soon. I'm going to check Twitter and make sure. Did we get a schedule yet or not? I don't see it. No schedule yet. So we'll we'll wait for another day. I think we're going to get Lon on next Wednesday. I uh, texted him and said, well, hey, at least by that point, we can obviously you know, voice our grievances about Lovey, but we can hopefully finally get into a Illini basketball conversation. So looking forward to that next Wednesday, we'll do a phone interview with him uh, via Zoom and haven't talked to him since the spring. 
And then we will do this Saturday and the following Saturday and any following Saturday for this football season, these post-game podcasts with the fellows, and I'm excited for that too. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying this podcast, uh, even if it is becoming more of that hate-listening, cathartic thing where you're just getting your frustrations out. I've gotten some great feedback about that. I don't want this to become a haven for negativity, right? I don't want you to listen to the 200 level and think everything sucks and all that. But I think it's two things can exist at once, right? You can keep a relatively positive, rosy outlook on life, but you can also call out the uh, unacceptable things for what they are, right? That doesn't make you a negative person to say that this isn't good enough. I think it's just being clear-eyed and saying, well, wait a second, we deserve better. And let's hold uh, those accountable. Let's hold their feet to the fire here and make sure that they make the change that they need to make. And that's becoming increasingly clear. So if it is a cathartic listen for you, I hope, uh, well, however the listening experience of the 200 level is for you, thank you for tuning in. Um, whether that means it gets you all angry and fired up or whether that means that you feel ah, that little load off after you let Carp do the heavy lifting with the grrr, with the angry stuff. I did third person way too much today. I'll stop saying Carp. I don't want to be like, oh, God, who was that guy in Simpson? The Jimmy episode. Hey, Jimmy likes this. I, no, I'm not going to do third person. I promise you that. I'm going to work on that. Before we go, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike, M-I-K-E, for $5 calzones. And listen, I mentioned this last week. If you need something delicious to eat during a college football Saturday, even if the game stinks, DPDO certifiably does not stink. And $5 calzones, that is a steal of a deal. dpdo.com, coupon code Mike. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200level. Got a new House of Pain t-shirt, which if you like the basketball tournament team, or if you just like the State Farm Center being known as the House of Pain, it is a classic-looking Illini t-shirt at fourthandkirby.com. And it's Christmas coming up. Use 200level as your coupon code for 10% off. Fourth and Kirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at Brianismyguy.com. And uh, I, I just had a thought, I'll get to that in a second. Brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs. We worked with Brian and his staff when we moved into our new home. It was as seamless a transition and process as you could ask for, and you can trust him. We've known him for a long time, well before we actually worked with him. So I would recommend going to Brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. I just thought of something. I need to check this and see if good, goody times, bad times. Do I need to change the name of this episode? Because I might, ladies and gentlemen, I might have repeated myself. I don't know if I did or not, though, because we had a run back in the fall of Led Zeppelin titles. Celebration Day when they beat Wisconsin. That would have been one of them. Mazed and Confused when the lovey breaks. I think we can call this... Okay, Whew. Good. I didn't use that one. Goody times, bad times it is. Well, I hope the rest of your week is nothing but goody times, and we'll see you on Saturday for the next episode. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. I know COVID's getting bad out there, so just be careful, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? It is the 200 level.